Welcome to the Ribbon Box Podcast. I'm Eloise, the founder. Each week we bring you expert interviews, reader stories, holistic offers and more. Subscribe to our podcast for free to become an insider and never miss an episode. Hello, today's episode I am being joined by Dr. Sarah Reardon, who is aka the Vagina Whisperer. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I know that you have just been at a Beyonce concert. So first of all, how was that? Amazing. It definitely took me a full 24 hours to recover. And um, my feet were very sore from standing for so long, but we had such a blast. It was wonderful. Is she the best performer ever? She's up there. I would say her, and I don't know if you know this country music singer, Garth Brooks, but he is also like probably the best concert I've ever been to. So top two for sure. Good to know. Good to know. So we absolutely love what you do at the Ribbon Box as the Vagina Whisperer. And we'd love for you to just tell us a bit more about you before we start talking about pelvic floors and everything to do with the vagina. Absolutely. So I am a pelvic health physical therapist. So physical therapists typically treat muscles and tissues and nerves in the body. And I specialize in treating the pelvic region of the body. And there is a group of muscles in this area that are responsible for really important functions like peeing, pooping, sex, reproductive health, support. And I've been doing this for about 17 years. I'm located in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I have a clinical practice here. And then again, have an online exercise, pelvic floor exercise platform called the Vagina Whisper. Amazing. The first question I would love to ask from our community is what exactly is your pelvic floor? I think that this is such a great place to start because we're going to be talking about something that has all of these really important functions, but people are like, what is that? So I brought my trusty model so that folks could see if you um, end up watching any of these videos. But I have a, you know, um, what the pelvic floor is, it's a basket of muscles that sit at the base of your pelvis. So we can all imagine that bony ring of pelvis where we kind of put our hands on our hips. And at the very base of that is a basket of muscles. Those muscles are responsible for, again, supporting your pelvic organs like your uterus, your ovaries, your bladder and bowels. And then there's also openings within that muscle. So in the female body, there's the opening for the urethra, which is where urine exits, the vagina for menstruation, vaginal intercourse, vaginal birth, and then the anal opening for bowel movements. And so, you know, this muscle, it's really become much more popular to talk about the, the past several years because people are starting to be aware that if there's something wrong with this part of their body, whether it be painful sex or urinary leakage or difficulty with bowel movements or anything, sexual health challenges or reproductive discomfort, um, that this muscle could be involved and it needs to be addressed. And that's where we as pelvic health physical therapists come in. Are there any particular signs or symptoms that your pelvic floor might need a bit of TLC? Yes, I would say, you know, so all bodies have a pelvic floor, whether it's female body, male body. And, um, you know, when we think about the role of this muscle, we would say if you have a support issue, so something called pelvic organ prolapse, where you feel like your organs aren't as supported as well. This can feel like a bulge in the vagina, heaviness pressure in the vagina at the end of the day, difficulty emptying your bladder or difficulty emptying your bowels. Um, also with respect to sexual health, if you have pain or discomfort with intercourse, these muscles may be tight, tense, or tender, and that can lead to pain with intercourse or even difficulty with orgasms. And then anything to do with bowel movements with respect to constipation, hemorrhoids, straining, 
Um, and then so that can lead to weakness or, you know, leakage or, you know, really common symptoms that we always think women just have to experience. But there's really a muscle that's involved here that we that needs to be assessed. Absolutely. But how can someone start looking after their pelvic floor and can you leave it too late? I always say it's never too late because I think it's kind of like if you have back pain, yeah, you can kind of suffer with the back pain and, you know, deal with it as, as long as you can. But I think eventually you get to the point where if it starts interfering with your quality of life, you want to start taking some steps to remedy that back pain or improve it. And it's the same thing with your pelvic floor. I think sometimes we think, oh, little leaks after having kids might be normal. Or, of course, it's painful when I have sex. You know, um, I just am really tense down there. But those are not normal experiences. They may be common, but they're not normal. And so you can always get help for them. It's never too late. Um, but I think that there are some things that, you know, I would tune in to kind of what you're experiencing. I think it's important to know what's normal. So what's normal to pee is every two to four hours during the day and zero to two times at night. What's normal to poop is anywhere from three times a day to three times a week. So if you're outside of those ranges for peeing or pooping, I would say you'd want to, you know, make sure that your pelvic floor is working well by seeing a therapist or doing some additional research. Um, also pain. Pain is information for our bodies that something's not working the way it should. So whether it's pain with periods, pain with um, intercourse, pain after intercourse or with orgasms, um, you know, sitting pain, tailbone pain, vulvar pain, none of those are normal or, um, you know, parts of being a woman. They really are just information that something else needs to be assessed and your pelvic floor should be evaluated in those situations as well. Absolutely. Thinking about those of our community who are trying to conceive, having treatment, for example, is there a link between a tense or dysfunctional pelvic floor and fertility? You know, so I would say one of the more common experiences we see with um, those who are struggling with fertility is actually um, there's a condition called endometriosis. And we see a lot of women who are suffering with painful menstruation, painful periods, and it's actually due to a condition called endometriosis. And endometriosis is one of the top reasons for fertility challenges um, because you can have, you know, certain lesions in your body that are just preventing um, fertilization or ovulation. So I would say that that's something that we definitely see people coming into our clinic and then we end up referring out to a specialist. Um, also, if you have pain with sex, if you are having pain with sex, you know, we've had people who they've gotten married and they haven't been able to, you know, even have sex without pain or have sex at all. And yet they want to get pregnant. So that can also be a limiting factor. Um, in addition, if you have had any abdominal surgeries, a cesarean section, um, anything like that, there could be scar tissue in the abdominal wall that's also just limiting, you know, some comfort or even fertility issues. So, you know, I think it's always worth looking into. I can't say that there is in the research a direct link between pelvic floor dysfunction and fertility challenges, but they're so closely related that it's definitely worth evaluating and making sure that your pelvic floor is working optimally. Mm -hmm. That sounds like great advice. And going into pregnancy as well, um, leakage during pregnancy or managing um, urinary incontinence, that is something that I have experienced firsthand myself. I'm actually pregnant with my fourth child and I sneezed the other day and literally wet myself, which has never happened before. What? Why is that even in the first trimester? So, well, congratulations. <laughs> and this, and this talk is timely. And so there's a couple of reasons for that. When we think, you know, uh, our pelvic floor is really like a hammock that sits at the base of your pelvis. 
And that hammock is supporting your pelvic organs, but during pregnancy, it's also supporting growing baby. And so as baby continues to grow, that hammock has more and more pressure on it, and it starts to lengthen and stretch. So this may not have happened during your first you know, three pregnancies, which is amazing because sometimes it happens right away. Um, but during pregnancy, think about, you know, those little, um, those text messages or emails that we get that tells you how big your baby is. So a hammock supporting a lemon or an avocado is very different than a hammock supporting a watermelon or a pumpkin, which is kind of what they compare a baby to towards the end of pregnancy. And having gone through that two or three times for you, and then also if you breastfeed or lactate between pregnancies, that can also contribute to some pelvic floor weakness because of lower estrogen levels. So your body has just been through that cycle multiple times. And that repeated kind of pressure or stress on the muscle in addition to aging, which is unfortunate, we lose muscle mass with aging. Just the combination of those things is likely contributing to weakness really early on. So it's a great time to start working on your pelvic floor, to start working on some strengthening strategies to prevent it from getting worse. And then you have a higher chance of it, you know, resolving postpartum as well. So can you do proactive exercises whilst you're pregnant? Absolutely. I totally recommend it. This is, I think if I can start, you know, one of my goals is really to start working with women or have them start doing my exercise program during pregnancy, because there's so much you can do as, you know, your body is really transforming during pregnancy. You've got um, postural changes, your ligaments are stretching and shifting, your, um, your pelvic floor and abdominal wall are lengthening. And we're not doing anything proactively to help support those changes in muscles and tissue. So by doing some proactive pelvic floor strengthening, some core strengthening, um, really kind of working with the pelvic health specialist to do that, and then preparing for birth where not only does pregnancy change our bodies, but birth itself, whether you have a cesarean birth or a perineal tear or the use of vacuum or forceps or prolonged pushing, all of those things change your pelvic floor as well. So I am a huge fan of, you know, training your body during pregnancy and helping prepare for birth. And we really see better postpartum pelvic floor outcomes after birth when that's the case. We obviously love uh, what you show us on Instagram, but there's so much more to the Vagina Whisperer than that and yourself. Um, Could you tell us a bit more about your courses and how you do support women during these different stages? Absolutely. So this really started when everything went virtual, you know, three or so years ago, where a lot of folks weren't able to access pelvic health therapy, or there was just actually more people on social media. And they were aware of like, oh, hey, I heard that there's this thing and people are talking about pelvic floor stuff. So I created a pelvic floor exercise platform called the Vagina Whisper, and it has programs for all life stages. So whether it's pregnancy, postpartum, menopause, preconception, pelvic floor tension, if you're having pain or um, difficulty with intercourse. So just all different seasons that someone may experience in their pelvic health. And there's a program for you. It's anywhere The programs are anywhere between four weeks to 12 weeks. Sometimes they're more focused on relaxation of the pelvic floor. Oftentimes they're more focused on strengthening of the pelvic floor, but it's really helping educate women on this part of their body they've never been told about, never been educated on, and really hoping to prevent issues or help them overcome issues that they're already experiencing. So it's just been so awesome to get the feedback about One, how accessible it is. You can be anywhere in the world and do these workouts that are from a pelvic floor therapist. But then also that people just feel like they're getting something that they didn't even know was available to them. And it's really helping 
like you improve their urinary leakage or have a better birth experience or have less pain and um, just really empowering women to take better care of their bodies, which they didn't even know, you know, they necessarily needed. Absolutely. I think that's a key thing, isn't it? Sometimes people might assume that they don't need this or this isn't for them and not realize that there might be an underlying issue there that might need resolving. Right. And I think it's really the narrative that's been spun for women, right? Like, oh, well, you've had four, this is your fourth pregnancy. Of course, you're going to leak urine or, you know, leakage is just a normal part of aging or, you know, some people just have pain with periods or, yep, sex is just going to be painful sometimes. Like that is not that's not correct. It's really gaslighting. And I think it's really been what we've been told as women for decades. I think what the older generation was told as well. And now we're really seeing like, oh, actually there is help for those issues. And it comes in the form of pelvic health therapy. And you don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to just deal with things. There really is something that can be so helpful for you. And um, I think that that's really the goal is, you know, I always say we only have one pelvic floor. We want to take care of it. And my goal would be for pelvic health therapy to be integrated into our healthcare system, just like going to the dentist. You know, we take care of our teeth, we get checkups, we get things fixed every six months to a year. And that's how I view, you know, pelvic health care should be as well. Absolutely. So we're linking up uh, your website to the podcast so people can find it in the description and find you and get more help. That's great. Thank you. Um, you just mentioned something that I did want to ask you about, which was preparation with your pelvic floor for birth, how does that affect birth and tearing and kind of everything that comes with your postpartum journey? Absolutely. So, you know, during we, we go through nine to 10 months of pregnancy, which is just a feat in itself. And then, you know, during birth, whether it's a cesarean birth, whether it's a vaginal birth, these are all really major physical experiences for our body. And they can last, you know, hours to days for folks. It's unfortunate that our healthcare system, um, our labor and delivery system hasn't caught up with what's actually accurate in the research. And we are having moms, if they're birthing vaginally, we're having moms birth on their back, which is not an optimal position for everyone. We're having them hold their breath when they push. We are using instrumentation and we're rushing them. You know, we're giving inductions and trying to push things along. And, you know, I really view birth that less is more. I think that if oftentimes we kind of just sometimes take a step back and do less medical interventions, the process can unfold a little bit more naturally. Then people aren't hooked up to machines and then they can move around and then they can, um, you know, roll over and then they can get an epidural at the time that really works optimally for them. But I think sometimes we're putting so much pressure on moms that we're kind of getting in the way. The other thing is we've often been told like, you need to have really strong pelvic floor muscles to push your baby out. And that is not true. In the third trimester of pregnancy, I really encourage moms to work more on pelvic floor relaxation. So, you know, we think about every day or every other day we have a bowel movement. We want our muscles to relax, to empty our bowels. It's the same thing with a baby. We really want our pelvic floor muscles to actually be relaxed and get out of the way so the baby can come down the birth canal. Your pelvic floor muscles don't push your baby out. Your uterus does. That's actually what a uterine contraction is. It's a muscular contraction of the uterus that pushes the baby out. So we're really teaching moms how to relax their pelvic floor muscles. Um, there are different options for breathing. There are different options for birthing. How to release their hips and pelvic floor in that third trimester um, to just work more on less tension and more relaxation. And even for cesarean birth, we work a lot with moms on, you know, um, abdominal mobility and um, making sure that, you know, they have nice, relaxed abdominal wall muscles. If they have a surgery, 
teaching them on how to care for themselves after surgery because they're going to be caring for a baby, different mobility stretches, exercises, scar massage. So just like we would do with any other medical procedure or surgery that, you know, people experience, we want to give that same care to moms um, before the process, during the process, and then absolutely um, during recovery as well. Sound advice. It's so it's so true that there are just so many different elements to this and that you're just talking about things that I've never thought about and I've already had to you know, um, experiences of childbirth through C-section and vaginal birth. So it's really interesting to hear about that. How would you tell people to kind of prepare for that and advocate for themselves when it comes to birth? So I think that those are kind of two separate things. So preparation is something that you can do with, you know, we read the books just like you may do for breastfeeding or sleep training or, um, you know, anything like that. You would kind of read the books, you know, go on my blog, do all of the things, do my program, whatever it is, work with a pelvic health therapist in person. But you would do all of that kind of um, beforehand. And I think that that is awesome because then you know what your options are. The research clearly shows that moms who go through some sort of labor education, not child, like not just the childbirth classes that show you how to swaddle a baby and like how you're going to wash your baby afterwards, but really focused on your body and your care, that those moms have more um, birth satisfaction, regardless of how they birth, whether it's a C-section or a vaginal birth, they feel more satisfied with their birth experience and less traumatized. And I think ultimately that's what we want, right? Um, but the second thing is that advocating for ourselves is hard, you know, I think that um, even myself, who I feel very strong and passionate about what I want, when I was, and I had a doula during both births, um, when I was in the hospital and they were like, um, okay, we're going to do this. And I'm like, uh, um, I don't, I don't know. Do I have to have that? And you're kind of so vulnerable and in the moment that you can't even think like, it's scary. The doctor or the nurse is telling me this is what I need. And I don't want to question them, but I also want to understand why it's happening. And so I really recommend if people have the resources for that to get a doula, to work with midwives, to have a birth support person, because it is a really vulnerable position to be in and they can help you advocate for yourself. Um, I also think the medical providers that you pick, if you're able to pick your medical providers, make a difference. Um, at 20 weeks pregnant with my first son, I asked my OBGYN, hey, what do you think about having a doula at my birth? And she said, I feel like they just really get in the way. And I was like, huh. And I knew I wanted a doula at my birth. And so at 21 weeks of pregnancy, I switched to another doctor and I switched hospitals and started working with a doctor who was totally comfortable having a doula in the room. And so I think it's really who we're picking as part of our medical team if we have some options there that also help us feel comfortable advocating for ourselves if we have a more open-minded provider. Really good advice. I completely agree with you. Um, what about preparing in terms of, is it called the perineal massage? Yeah, yeah. Is um, you know, in the, the US where I'm based, we'll call it perineal massage, you know, but um, so the perineum is really the area of muscle between the vagina and anus. So um, you have the vaginal opening, you know, a couple centimeters below, you have the anal opening. And there's a, a where a lot of our muscles connect is called the perineal body. It's like the grand central station of your pelvic floor. And it's really a supportive area of your muscles where that helps support your, um, your organs, your growing baby. But we also have a high risk of that tearing during a vaginal birth. 
And that has to do with positioning. That has to do with the, we're asking these muscles to stretch to the size of a watermelon when they're normally the size of, you know, a, a small line. And so perineal massage is inserting a finger or a device into the vaginal opening and pressing down towards the anal opening. And you're kind of stretching the top part of the perineum by doing that. And so we educate moms on how to do this during their third trimester. We'll tell them to, you know, lie in a comfortable position in their bed or even in a bathtub or in standing. They can put one leg on the edge of a stool or, you know, if they have something for support and then taking their thumb and kind of wrapping around their belly and inserting their thumb into the vaginal opening and pressing down towards the perineum. So you're not like going on top of your perineum and massaging it, you're actually inserting your finger into the vagina and pressing down. And that's going to help stretch the muscles and the tissues at the vaginal opening. And there are some studies that show that this can help improve um, perineal pain postpartum. Um, there's a uh, improve or a decreased risk of more intense tearing. So you may still tear what we call our first or second degree, but there's a less risk of third or fourth degree tearing, which is much more severe. And, um, you know, I think it also helps people feel prepared like, Oh, I'm doing something to help prep my body for this. So we do that. You know, we teach our clients. I teach it in my um, online childbirth prep videos. We teach their partners if their partners want to do it. So again, just giving women options to how can I best prepare my body? What happens during birth is sometimes just takes a course of its own. But I think if we often feel like, well, I did, I did the best I could. I did everything I could. And then we kind of know that, you know, birth is going to take its course after that. I did this massage for my first. Uh, child um, and that was a vaginal delivery and didn't tear and I do put that down to the preparation I put in from exactly what you just said but it does make me laugh that it's called a massage because I was saying anything but it stings doesn't it it does it feels like a burn it feels like something's burning yes and the longer you hold that muscle stretch it starts to dissipate. And so what I tell people is like, it's going to feel, we often talk about this ring of fire during a vaginal birth where everything feels like really stretched and burny. That's almost what perineal massage feels like. So again, we're training our bodies for this experience. But if you can get in there and kind of do that, you know, I say do it every other day, starting about 34 weeks of pregnancy, it just takes, you know, five to seven minutes. It shouldn't be a 30 minute experience, but then really kind of the more you do it, the less of a burn you feel. And it's because those muscles are getting more lengthened and more relaxed. So that's amazing that you had that result. I also had this result. And it was really like I had good birth experiences. I had no tearing for either of my births. And I'm like, you know, I don't think that this is just luck. I really feel like this is, I had these tools to help myself prepare and I had a great support system. And I really feel like this is, more accessible for all women. And why isn't everybody getting this education on perineal massage or pushing or, you know, um, you know, different ways to kind of move their body during labor and birth. So that was another reason I started the vagina whisper was I was like, I want everyone to have access to this because I really do think we can have better outcomes and we're not getting the education we need to get there. Absolutely. Also, I think that if you have a C-section, you may not experience some of these things after. But actually, I found after my C-section, if anything, I experienced some of these postpartum um, pains and stinging. And in some ways, the recovery was worse. I would agree with you that, um, one, our bodies go through a transformation just during pregnancy. So during pregnancy, you've got 
lengthened abdominal wall muscles, pelvic floor weakness, leakage, all of these things. So just pregnancy itself changes our pelvic floor and core, but a cesarean birth is major surgery. And we don't treat it that way in our medical system. We send moms home and say, check back in six weeks and that's it. So I think that, um, you know, what I would say is, it is really important if you have a cesarean birth to work with a pelvic health therapist or do an online recovery program like I have because working with, you know, releasing scar tissue, strengthening abdominal wall muscles, all of these things. And I really think that we're just not giving moms that support. There's so much focus on caring for baby and not enough focus on caring for mom. There's um, research that shows that mom who's ha- moms who have a cesarean birth have more pain with intercourse after birth than moms who have a vaginal birth. And so just right there, we know that there's so much work to do to help support these moms as well. Why do you think that's the case? Because your abdominal wall fascia is really closely connected to your pelvic floor. Like it's right there. These like bikini cuts go through um, tissue, fat, fascia. And when we suture up a mom, scar tissue does not move the way that our pre-surgical tissue moves. It has a lot more restriction. And so when that restriction in your lower scar and your abdomen get, gets really tight and tense, it causes tension in your pelvic floor as well. But we're not linking those two things, but it's so clear. I mean, I've seen moms who've had cesarean births that have painful sex. They have incomplete bladder emptying. They have constipation because all of that restriction is so tight that it's not allowing things to relax in their pelvic region as, as much as we'd like. And so, again, just really important to think about, you know, we're really looking at the whole body here and how it's connected. And, um, yeah, I think that it's something that just we want to support these moms because, again, it's a major surgery and you can have residual issues after cesarean birth as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what about postpartum pooing? <laughs> I've loved it. <laughs> um, it sounds so much more lovely when you say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way um, that you do it on Instagram and with all your props as well, your giant props. I know. I, you know, I think that we should educate moms on how to poop after birth. It's one of those things where I have moms come in and they're like, giving birth is worse than, I mean, sorry, having a postpartum poop, your first poop after birth is worse than giving birth. And it's because one, most people get constipated after birth, regardless of whether it's a C-section or a vaginal birth. You have blood loss, you have dehydration, you've had pain medications, and um, you know all of that can contribute to just slow bowels. And that first part of postpartum poop, it's like you might have stitches in the area, you might have an abdominal incision that you're trying to care for, your vagina's burning, and you're like, you need to poop out a baseball? I mean, that's terrifying. And so some of the things I'm like, I wish every labor and delivery room had literally a poster on how to poop after birth that you need to have something under your feet to support you. You take a piece of tissue paper to support the vagina and the perineum so that if you have to, you know, push a little bit, you're supporting the vaginal area or using a pillow or a roll towel over your abdominal incision if you have a cesarean birth. So doing those things to help really support those vulnerable areas. And then exhaling as you poop, not holding your breath, breathing out. That's going to help your pelvic floor muscle relax and take the stool softeners. Everybody after birth should take the stool softeners. That's going to help your poop come out more like soft serve ice cream and less like a really hard baseball. So 
all the tips. Really, we're just trying to help support moms during these really uncomfortable experiences when there is help for them and they just don't even know it because we're not getting it from sometimes our medical providers. Absolutely. I've been there myself and I completely agree with everything you're saying. Um, and also just taking sort of laxative liquid isn't always enough, is it, after birth? Like there's so many other things that you need there's to There's so many other things. It's movement and mobility. It's hydration. It's how you're pooping. I mean, all of these things make such a difference. So, um, you know, supporting those really vulnerable areas that may have stitches or sutures. So again, just, and also just making it a more comfortable experience for moms, like really there's so much discomfort and pain and we want to help people address that, recognize that like, Hey, we, you're not alone in this. And there are these resources to help make it more comfortable. Because after birth or after a C-section, um, it's, it's not uncommon, is it, to not poo for sort of several days? Yes, I know. And that's why I say take the stool softeners. Um, no, again, you've had, and after any surgery or any, you know, oftentimes you'll have, um, it's called ileus of your bowels and your bowels slow down. And so what are, what can we do to help improve that? The first thing, honestly, is movement. After a cesarean birth, we want our moms up and walking on day one. And it feels terrible, but it's the most important thing you can do for your recovery and for your um, bowel health. Um, really eating good, nutritious foods with lots, you know, less processed foods, less carbohydrate foods. In those early days, you're just trying to throw down whatever you can when you have a moment. But we really want to try to focus on things that are going to keep our poop soft, keep our abdominals um, muscles comfortable and not too tense. And then tons of hydration, tons and tons and tons of hydration. And so, um, but yeah, you think of poop sitting in there for days and days going to kind of be hard and uncomfortable to to evacuate and so what can we do to make that less uncomfortable and i presume that if you've had an epidural a spinal block morphine all those things contribute to making it worse as well absolutely pain medication truly does it i had an unmedicated birth and i took pain medication afterwards because my um uterine contractions when i was breastfeeding were so painful that i was like okay i can't take that my husband's like you just gave birth without medicine. I'm like, I know, but this is worse, you know? So, um, but yeah, pain medication, ibuprofen, all the things we help that we take to help with swelling and pain also constipate you. So what can we do to help make it, you know, softer, easier to pass? Absolutely. Well, Sarah, this has been absolutely fascinating. Everyone must come to your website and follow you on Instagram. Please, could you tell people how to get in touch and a little bit more about your membership programs? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's, as you can tell, I love talking about this. So, um, my website is thevaginawhisper.com and on there we have tons of blog posts, everything from painful sex to pooping to pregnancy and postpartum recovery. Just really a place that, you know, people, even if they're not pregnant or postpartum can really go and learn more about their bodies and their pelvic floor. Um, and then you'll see more about my membership on there. We have eight series, again, focused on strengthening, relaxation, pregnancy, postpartum you know, menopause, all the things just to really give moms the tools or give women the tools that they need to help support their bodies. And then I'm on Instagram as the vagina whisper. It's the dot vagina dot whisper. And I'm on TikTok as the vag whisper. So lots of places to get plenty of pelvic health information. Brilliant. And for those who are trying to conceive, you've got courses and support there as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the most common questions we get from moms is, um, you know, how can we, what can we do for a pelvic floor before we're pregnant? And so we've got, you know, tons of videos on proper ways to pee and poop and then also strengthening exercises. If we know that pregnancy weakens your pelvic floor, what can people do in advance to start getting in touch with this part of their body, start strengthening their pelvic floor? And then also a fertility journey is really stressful. So people often get tension in these muscles. And so, you know, how can we support them with relaxation and stretching and giving them, you know, um, videos on if they're having constipation or other things that are related to taking hormonal supplements or hormonal injections, like how can we navigate that? So just really, again, I think so many people are going through fertility challenges and there's no resources for them from a pelvic health perspective as well. And so, um, you know, we're going to be sharing a couple more blog posts on this. One of them is from y'all as well on just really how can we support moms in their pelvic health during that fertility journey. Brilliant. Well, everything is linked up to you, Sarah, in our description. So please, everyone listening, go check it out. And it has been so fun speaking with you about this today. I feel like I could talk about it all day. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting with, with me and coming on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. 